2 Samuel chapter 21, we're going to combine some verses in chapter 1 with some verses in chapter 23. I noticed Don Smith came up to me and said, well, I see you're going to be at the Psalm in chapter 22. Well, he just conveniently skipped over this section. I said, we can't skip over that section. And I know there's nothing seemingly there, but we're going to enjoy this a little bit. This is stuff that you kind of like, I want to remember, I want to put this in my memoirs. But I don't really want it to hang around the house like on the coffee table. This is stuff that you would write down and then you'd put away in a safe deposit box or up in the attic somewhere. And maybe you don't need it right now. Maybe it's not something because right now David is feeling pretty content. He's in his home. He's in Jerusalem. He has everything pretty much settled. And these days that he's recalling are now gone. He's not having to fight like that anymore. But he's reflecting on it and realizing we've watched David, the warrior, do amazing things with small numbers of people. And you're wondering, how did he pull this stuff off? And what are the memories he has of those fighting days? I have this, in fact, it's all over the floor right now. Those who clean the building tell me all the time, your, house, your, your room is a mess. And I know it's going to be that way for a while. But people who send me a card that for some reason it hits at a right time or they say the right words... Their cards get stored in my office in a cubby hole. I just kind of toss them down in this one spot. Because one of these days, it's going to be a downer day. And I want to reach down in that little cubby hole and get one of those cards and reflect on Or I'm going to be old, right? Sitting in a nursing home in my lazy boy. And I'm going to pull out that box. I'm going to re read those cards and I'm going to remember. Now, I don't need them right now. I don't need them right out here. I don't need to put them in a frame and put them on the wall. I don't need to do that, but I need them there. This is what this section is for. I'm not sure David is responsible for putting them in this form, but I know he's responsible in writing it down. And uh, these, these people here, this, the way he's going to describe it, I'll tell you before we get there, and that is there's this great story of these three warriors, and you need to know it. It's just really cool stuff, especially those of you who are guys, right? And then... Um, and then there's a, a group of 30 that he had, his elite warriors. In that group of 30 is the big three. And then there's the mighty three. And then there's the 30, the top three. They all are there. And somehow or another, all these numbers add up to 37. And there's one that's not named. right? There's one that he never names, but he counts. And you're like, who is that? I think I know who that is. He who shall remain nameless. I think I know who that is. It's, it's somebody that Joel Inman's wife doesn't like, and God was respectful of her and just didn't say the name, but he's supposed to be in there because he was a valiant warrior. And these three circles uh, make up all these people. The reason why it adds up to 37 is I'm sure some of them died. In fact, one of them we know of his death. Uh, there's some of them that died and, and faded away, and somebody else took their place, and so there's a total of 37 names here. We're going to go through these stories. Begin, join me at chapter 21, verses 15 through 17, and listen to this description. There was war again between the Philistines and Israel, and David went together, went down together with his servants, and they fought against the Philistines. And David grew weary. He was exhausted, and he lost his energy to fight. And Ish-Bi-Binob, Ish one of the descendants of the giants, whose spear weighed 300 shekels of bronze, it was a heavy spear, which means he was a big, muscular guy, he was armed with a new sword, went to kill David. 
He was in this guy's line of sights, and David was exhausted and couldn't fight. So Abishai, the son of Zariah, his own cousin, came to his aid and attacked the Philistine and killed him. And then David's men swore to him, you shall no longer go out with us to battle lest you quench the lamp of Israel. We don't want you fighting with us. This was his last day. We don't know when in his story this belongs, but it was his last day of battle because of the weakness that overcame. Abishai steps in and saves him. Abishai's a hero because without him, the king would be dead. Second guy, Elhanan, verse 18. After this, there was again war with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibachai, the Hushishite, struck down Saph, who was one of the descendants of the giants. And there was again war with the Philistines at Gob, and Elhanan, the son of somebody, the Bethlehemite, struck down Goliath the Gittite, probably a different Goliath. This became a family name. The shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. So here was another guy who steps in. He does some of these amazing things. Then we begin at verse 20 with the third guy. His name is Jonathan. There was again war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature, had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. And just in case you don't know how to add because you don't have that many digits. That's 24. Both hands, twice plus four. And he was also descended from the giants. And when he taunted Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shammai, David's brother, struck him down. These four were descendants from, descended from the giants in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David, by the hand of his servants. Here's three stories. Random, doesn't say much about him, but he just wants it written here. He wants this written somewhere, put up in an attic, and one of these days I'm going to pull it out and I'm going to remember how we survived. I needed good people around me. Put that in your hat. Skip chapter 22 for now. Stick with the theme as we go to chapter 23, beginning verse 8. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joshib Bashibeth, from someplace beginning with a T. He was chief of the three. So when he talks about the, the 30, there's three chief ones. There's a chief of the big three. He wielded a spear against 800 whom he killed at one time. This guy had a spear in his hand, and he was able to one by one by one by one kill 800 people in one span of time in one battle. That's pretty valiant. That's like a football helmet with all those stickers on it and then some, right? Num verse number 9. Next to him among the big three, among the three mighty men, that's how he called This was within the 30, but it's the top three. Like Jesus had 12, but he had the inner three, and that's what these guys were was Eliezer, son of Dodo, son of Ahohi. He was with David when he defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel withdrew. So the men of Israel fighting with him all backed up. He stayed there. He rose. He struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the men returned after him only to strip the slain. His hand froze to the sword. And I envision when the battle's over, you had to have men peel his fingers away because it was like welded. He wasn't letting go, and he fought by himself. No wonder he's in the top three. This is a dude you want on your side. Now continue. 
Next to him was Shammah, the son of Ag, the Hararite. The Philistines gathered together at Lehi, and there was a plot of ground full of lentils. Yes, vegetables. Good, healthy food. But when you grew a field of this, your enemies wanted it. And he was going to defend it so there'd be food in the land, right? And the men fled from the Philistines. All the men fled because here they came. But he took his stand in the midst of the plot, and he defended it and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord worked a great victory. He deserves a little extra press because he saved the people, and he saved the food. Pretty big deal. I kind of like food. I think you're probably fond of it, too. Beginning verse 13 is then, and it's not, the, it's not the mighty three, it's just the three. We see it in verse 13. The three of the 30 chief men went down, came about harvest time to David at the cave of Machpelah. This is an interesting story. Cave of Machpelah, that's in Abraham's day. Adullam, when a band of the Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in a stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. David said longingly, David was just being nostalgic. And he said, oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. He's thinking about home. Oh, that I could have that water from the well at home. He was just saying this nostalgically. (laughs) That's 25 miles in the midst of battle with the enemy. The three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, carried and brought it to David. They brought a bucket of water 25 miles without spilling it, dodging the bullets, not the bullets, dodging the spears and the swords. Brought it to David, but he wouldn't drink it. He poured it out to the Lord. Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink what cost the blood of the men who went at the risk of their lives? He wouldn't drink it. It became a sacrifice to God. That's what these three mighty men did. I would be irate. Okay, God's one thing. I just risked my life so you could have this dreamy water you've been dreaming, and then you'd pour it out, right? But when he realized the cost of that water, only one person should get something that valuable, and it should be God. That's a neat story. Now Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zariah, was chief of the 30. Here again, these words about who's, you know, who's kind of in the hierarchy of pecking order. He wielded his spear against 300 men, killed them, and won a name beside the three. Beside the three mighty men, this guy is kind of in the second group of three, and he, took, he defeated 30, or 300 men. He was the most renowned of the 30, became their commander, but he did not attain to the three. See how important this order is? He's making sure you know they're in the second round of three. They're not quite good enough to get in the top three, mostly because... It didn't, say, didn't actually win battles. It helped, but it didn't rescue people. Now here's Benaiah is the second one. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was a valiant man of Kabzeel, a doer of great deeds. He struck down two aerials of Moab, and he also went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a day when the snow had fallen. Now what's the big deal about that? A lion in a pit on the day of a snowy day. 
That lion would have been hungry. Would have been a pretty vicious animal in that pit. And he got down there and he struck it. Struck down an Egyptian too, a handsome man. Why in the world would you say that? The guy was pretty good looking. Most versions will say he was a tall man. I kind of think, I guess you ladies think tall and handsome are the same. That's a tall, dark, handsome. I don't know. Uh, but, but this guy was a tall guy. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but Benaiah went down to him with a staff. He, he had a spear, and all that Benaiah had was a staff, and he snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Great story, right? These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehido, won a name beside the three mighty men. Renowned among the 30, but he didn't attain to the top three. And David set him over his bodyguard. So he kind of had a special thing. And then suddenly there's a gap. He starts on the rest of the 30, but he doesn't list the second final of the three. There's a guy not named here. And I think that guy's Joab. Just taking a guess. The rest of this paragraph is a bunch of names that doesn't give any details, just a bunch of names, except for the last one. Uriah the Hittite. That name is not left out. David knows better than to leave out Uriah. Remember what happened to Uriah? It's David's own fault. But he doesn't want to forget, and he doesn't want to leave out the exploits and the valiant behavior of this. These names, and you're like, hey, what's the value of all that? It's an interesting thing. Among the list is a father and a son. A couple sets of brothers are here. Many, many foreigners. That's why the Athite words, you know, these, I don't even know these cities. They aren't Israelite cities and peoples, but this is foreigners who who were won over by David's way, and they began to uh, be part of Israel with David. Some are his relatives. Um, and I think maybe David is saying it's important for me to have a historical record to validate the historicity of this book and to, to make you understand we really did fight these battles and we had really people fighting real battles that, that, that jeopardized their actual lives. But what is it for us? I think you look at this and you appreciate that the life of faith is a battle. It's affirmed all over Scripture. The battle imagery and the battle language all throughout Scripture to warn us that this life of faith will be opposed. This world, this world is against what you are for. This world would like to defeat what you want to see win. We're fighting each other. It's a battle. We're not in a friendly zone. You walk out the doors of this church building, you are not on friendly territory anymore. The war is taken up again. We used to have a lot of songs we sang that would, would make us think this. We sang one tonight. I appreciate Drew leading. Soldiers of Christ Arise. That's one that still lingers. A battle belongs to the Lord, still is around a little bit. A lot of them we've eliminated because they sound politically incorrect. One was always, every week, on Little House in the Prairie. And in fact, when the last episode, which I still, if I see today, I will still cry. They blew up the city. Anybody see it? Walnut Grove, they blew up every building except the church. Anybody seen that? 
It's the most tragic view you can ever see on the history of television. It's terrible. But as they walk away from the town, they sing the song they sang all those years. Anybody know what the song is? Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war, right? We don't sing that anymore because it sounds like we're trying to whip people. I get that. But I also know it's true. It's a war we're fighting. And David remembers that after he's now in his palace and everything's comfortable and is pretty secure in his monarchy over Israel, he's still remembering how he got there. And he remembers the people he owes to have gotten there. Don't you ever forget who you owe for where you got spiritually. You got those names in your head, keep them there. But life is a battle. It takes, it takes effort and it takes us waging. Secondly, you're not alone. And that's kind of where we segued into. Victory can't happen alone. You, you get the, uh, David won this battle and David won this battle and David won this battle. No, David didn't win every battle. His army won every battle. He was faithfully trusted in God, but he needed community. And there were times, we just read, where his hide was saved by someone else. He does not get the trophy without Abishai saving his life. And there's not a soul in this building tonight who got where you are spiritually by yourself not one we owe people fellow warriors are important there's this one verse that was read tonight but i want you to see the verse on screen i hope i put it on here only let this is philippians 127 this is a, a city named after philip philip the father of alexander the great and he fought battles and, and the language used in this only let your manner of of life be worthy of the gospel of christ Make sure that your life matches the quality of what you believe and your truth. And he says, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. This language is military language. You're fighting side by side. You've got your stuff. You've got your wife stuff, your kids. You've got Wesley over here. You've got Levon over here. You've got these other people people over here and we're all fighting side by side and the only way you'll make it is if you have an army listen the armor of God is great but only if you have an army you're fighting with this is a brilliant observation I want you to click it I want you to take a picture of it it's brilliant okay made it up myself I put it in all caps just so you get it the armor of God is not sufficient without the army of help you will not make it and David, at the end of his life, before he bows out, says, you know, I've done my faithful thing, I'm bowing. He says, let me thank everybody. This is his Academy Award thank you speech, naming all these people. It's valuable, valuable for us because you learn the people that you can trust, that there are people who are uh, trustworthy and reliable and capable of helping you. Uh, there are times when you need help and there's people that you just, you don't know that they'll be here for you. And maybe some people who would be here before you, but they aren't really capable of the help that you need because this, this is a, an issue that very few people understand maybe. 
There are people who are really adept at helping you in the spiritual battle, that they have warfare experience that you want on your side when you go through battle. It's like a few years ago in the, in the presidential race when somebody said, I think it may have been Hillary Clinton that said this, who, who are you going to call at 2 in the morning? You remember this? Who are you going to call at 2 in the Who's on your short list of people that you know would come immediately without question 2 in the morning if, they, if, you, if you needed them? Who is that person? And that's really what this question is. Who is the person spiritually you know can help you when you are in the midst of battle? Who is that? Being a friend on Facebook is not the same as being a co-warrior in battle. It's not the same thing. But you remember something else. You need to help them too. You need to be dependable for them too. You need to say this out loud. The list of people that you have and that have you on their list. The valiant noble warrior who David trusted, but David ended up not being trustworthy to, is the last name mentioned in the chapter. Uriah. Uriah needed David to be his king, and David failed. I think this is an apology. This is a regret. This is another sign of his repentance. Our history will include sometimes people who failed us and people whom we failed ourselves. And you've got to get disoriented with the army. And you've got to become reoriented. If you're thinking you're, a, you're attending a church that will never fail you, that will never not show up, that's not true. You'll be disheartened if you believe that. There are times we fail each other. That doesn't disqualify us from being God's people. We've got to learn our human fail to, failures and human inadequacies and sometimes our weaknesses. We've got to love each other anyway. You, like David, have a list of names of people who've helped you get where you are. It may not be a written list, but it's a list in your head. And you don't need them to be there all the time. But you need, to be there, you need them to be there when you need them. You have those names tucked away in your mind, in your heart. When a battle rages that requires some help, you know who you can call. And that's what it means to be in the Lord's army. I've got the equipping of God, but I've got my fellow soldier with me. I've got his back. He's got mine. And together, we are going to win this battle and enjoy the win, the victory Christ got us. If you make it to heaven one day, it's only because of a whole list of names. It's only because of a whole bunch of people that got you there. And don't you ever forget it, and don't you ever forget, you're on the list that other people have, that if they're going to make it, you need to play your part too. That's, I think, the value of going over these two obscure sections of names we'll never otherwise hear. This evening, if you stand and need any spiritual help, whether being introduced to Christ for the first time or just being helped in your battle by fellow, pray, fellow believers praying or 
come unto your side. Whatever may be your need, make it known as we stand, as we sing the invitation song.